The month of May is vanishing as we speak. And so, too, does our anime challenge of Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex Season 1 as we cover our last of this, episodes 20 through 26. Let's hit it. Tyler, Miles, we got a lot to get through tonight. We have, uh, we, we do, but I feel like this all will go more quickly than possibly any of the other episodes in some aspects because this is all. It felt like one long arc. It, it absolutely did, but at the same time, there's so much information dropped and things introduced at the very end that paints the full picture of this whole laughing man incident that we have learned uh, that yes. I hope you guys took notes because we're going to need them. Tyler, Dude. I have to ask. Well, no, we'll do it episode by episode. Okay. What did or didn't make the tie tie cut? Did we have a seven for seven tie tie cut? Oh, let's get into it. Episode 20 complex vanished medication review. So, after the events of uh, the previous episode where Togus is kind of going after the uh, where he goes to the 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 place with all the kids that uh, that health and welfare thing. I can't remember the name of the place. It's okay. Uh, uh, NHLW? Yes. The, the department is under health, labor, and welfare. Yes. So yeah, he, Back in episode 11. So he uh, is going down the J.D. Salinger route uh, investigating what all of that could possibly uh, happen. And as he's going through, he's determined that he's going to look for actual physical printed records instead of computer records. And in this, he discovers that something is missing from their records. A, a list of people who have taken something called the Murai vaccine, a new thing, uh, to treat cyber brain sclerosis, another new thing. And so what's weird about that, to dial it back to the opening of this episode, is we see this, this, this record get taken. And then we yeah. see it get just left on a trash can by one of the janitors which yeah. if i'm working at a facility like that i just is hardback gigantic thing of of notes or or it, it research or whatever maybe the trash can's not the best spot to put it but it gets well, picked just, up almost immediately yeah and let's just remember this everything that follows from episode 24 is because that one security guard didn't do his job <laughs> that's it like it, it, literally everything bad that's about to happen, one guy's fault. <laughs> but well, they, they I, wouldn't I mean, maybe have, that's true. They wouldn't maybe have solved the uh, the mystery had that had things not gone down. Oh, there's a lot of things that definitely wouldn't have happened. Life so, probably would have turned out worse for everybody. But that guy needs a pay cut. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Doc is paying. One thing I like about this episode is as it starts, like Drew said, it it picks up almost as a what we come to know now is a, a standard Togus a mystery. You know, he's Nancy Drew in it. And, and generally his stuff is really fun to follow. And I like when the, the kind of rabbit hole he goes down, even to uh, infiltrating what's called the, the Sunflower Society. 
Uh, but before Which, we get to the Sunflower Society, just remember all of this kicks off because Togusa has his biggest Togusa mirror moment of the season. Yeah. yeah. You know how happy I was? We just talked about this last episode. We went through so many standalones. No Togusa mirror moment. And what do we get right after that? A mirror moment. Beautiful. Like not, not just a mirror moment. The mirror, mirror moment. moment. Oh. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, classic Togusa. This is where our man lives and breathes in the detective world. 10 out of 10 writing. (laughs) (laughs) So so we find out uh, based on this that he traces this missing document uh, to a group called the Sunflower Society, which is a, a group that kind of takes up I don't want to say lost causes, but but causes that where where they're trying to raise money to go against government stuff. Uh, and and what's funny is I thought this would be like a super shady organization, and it was the other way around. And I, I it's from here on that I really appreciate the the twists and turns this show takes. And from here on out, there's a lot of twists and turns, and most of them I appreciate. Yeah. So I do want to dial it back because what's going to happen coming up is all about the Mirai vaccine. And so we need to talk about what cyberbrain sclerosis is, and we need to talk about what the treatments are. So cyberbrain sclerosis is apparently a thing that's existed, uh, but this is the first time we're hearing about it in the show so far. Um, It is some people, when they have cyber enhancements to their brains, uh, they, they have had... And it's not common, super rare, but it's deadly, uh, where the brain that has had the cyber enhancement starts to harden. And obviously, once that happens, you die. Uh, Yeah, it leads to brain death. Very, very rare that people get it. But because, remember, most of society is cyborged at at some level, especially when it comes to their brain. So... It was a huge. It's still a huge deal. It's a right. really, really big deal. Even if it's a small number of people that can happen, that it can happen to, you know, a small number of people of everyone in the world is still a very large number. And I really wish this notion was introduced far earlier in the show. Yep. I feel. I feel like it would have been more powerful. I think. I think plot and uh, notion wise. It's phenomenal, but it should have been introduced earlier so you really get this kind of effect. There's a lot of things introduced in these last seven episodes that I I, I really do feel should have been stretched out the entire show because it's not that anything is bad, but I feel like there's some impact that's lost because of it. Yeah, Togusa, like, I, and I'm, I'm assuming it's a lie. You know, he tells this that he tells this guy. I'm assuming the head of the Sunflower Society that, you know, his dad died from, uh, what did he call it? CBCS? Yeah, I think it's CBS, I think. Yeah, because they had a a fancy abbreviation for it. But he says that his dad died of cyberbrain sclerosis. And I kind of, and I don't know if that was true or not, but I kind of wished that it was true and that we had heard about it earlier. I think that would have been interesting. Um, You know, more so than just Togusa making up lies that don't last 10 minutes because well, obviously he you know <laughs> i mean he, he makes up that lie because he needs to because ha- he's also not uh an investigator at that point he's pretending oh. to be a journalist and he's trying to get on the the trust of this of this dude at the sunflower society but this is where so this is where things get 
way more interesting for me just because I wish cyberbrain sclerosis had been introduced earlier on as a concept. Would have been awesome yeah. if that's what the guy in well no because he didn't have a cyberbrain in episode two, did he? Uh, uh, so forgive me for saying that because uh, he wasn't cyberized anyway. Um, so you've got cyberbrain sclerosis, this big important thing. So you've got two treatments. The Mirai vaccine, which was made by a guy that was working on other stuff and kind of stumbled into that vaccine. And then you have nanomachines, micro-machines. They call them micro-machines. Basically, not the little race cars from the 90s. See, uh, that that I I could not take that bit seriously at first because I just kept thinking of that mustachioed man in the micro-machine commercials in the 90s. Yeah. And I just, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't. <laughs> but, but what is, what has, has, and apparently this is the thing that I didn't remember from watching this show. The, my, the Mirai vaccine was unknown thing. It just was said to be not, not applicable. Like it didn't work. Da, 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 da. And the micro machine companies like Serrano genomics that we have seen all throughout the laughing man case, they're the companies that are making the micro machines to combat cyber brain sclerosis. But what's this? Well, they, they were making, I mean, they were, yes, they were making micro machines as we learn later. Maybe not f- for medical reasons. The, for, um, a, for a lot of things. And then, yeah, for a lot of things. It wasn't just like, hey, we're making this for the sole purpose of cyberbrain sclerosis, which is how they differ from the Mirai vaccine because the Mirai vaccine is solely for cyberbrain sclerosis. Right. So as it, as it gets down to it, um, Togusa gets his hand on this list and who's on this list, but a number of really important people, celebrities, government employees. And right as he's going through this list, what happens, but a bunch of, of armed dudes wearing gold chains attacks the sunflower society. Can I just say the boss of this group is one of the coolest bad guys we've gotten in the entire show. Uh, I wish he lived longer. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, well, he doesn't die. No, but he doesn't have a great time either. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, basically what we've learned is that this is the, the D, the Japanese equivalent of the DEA and their narcotics enforcement squad that has been instructed by by this this head of this department to go and take out the quote mm-hmm. drug deal that's yeah. going on in here. So yeah, there's, there's there's a lot of layers of people moving. There's and which is very this part of the show. There are a lot of names that are doing a lot of things with a lot of other people who also yes. have names. Yeah. So to, to to lay out the hierarchy that w- what we have working here, uh, we we have section nine. We love section nine and we know them. Right now we have like Deputy Chief Nimi, and he is the one who is telling the narcotic suppression group, who has the very cool bad guy that I love, uh, to essentially go into the Sunflower Society and retrieve the document that Togusa now has laid out in front of him with this other uh, Sunflower Society guy. Uh, and... That's all we know right now. I'm trying not to get ahead of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Which so, is why well, I hesitate. But, but even now, you start to feel 
that and and it becomes apparent more and more each episode that this corruption comes from a a much higher power than anyone could have imagined and that that rot festers real deep and what and again what i feel like these last seven episodes really lack like like uh Tyler, you said, you know, we get fed a lot of names. And because we get fed a lot of names and a lot of people pretty quickly, we don't have enough time to really ruminate on any of these people. And I think that does come to the show's detriment. Um, but with with getting back to this episode, what follows is a really good shootout scene. It is. It's a really good shootout scene. Uh, although I was mad. This is... Uh... <laughs> Maybe we should start a new counter. Viewers, imagine a counter in the upper right-hand portion of your screen, <laughs> and it's going to be the bad Togusa counter. This is when Togusa makes a bad decision, <laughs> and we're going to call it the bad Togusa counter. And this is where he makes his first, uh, what we, hindsight 2020, come to figure out as a bad decision, uh, as the Narcotics Suppression Division, uh, the DEA essentially, storms this building and, and i had to say these guys look just like narcs like if you looked up what a narc looked like in any movie <laughs> in the 80s and 90s yeah. that's what these guys look like they've all got like chains they've all oh yeah and look like uh, they, so, look, look like they pulled in from miami it's yep but they stormed yeah. the building they kill a woman because lol and uh essentially this leader of the sunflower society hands wants to hand the document to togas uh, and says take this the truth must be known. You have a better chance of getting out of here than I do. And Tokusa looks at this guy who's overweight and has no military experience and is like, no, man, you got this. I'm going to hold him off. <laughs> Bad <Yeah>. Tokusa. <laughs> Bad Tokusa. It's, it's honestly the, the, the poorest decision he makes, and that's after he blows his cover in his undercover op earlier in the season. And because... And what what well, ends up happening is the the narcs show in. Togusa takes out a couple of them, and then the the leader of the narc squad ends up taking out a couple of his own dudes in order to make sure. Well, we got to make it look good on our side, you know, like we lost yeah. some to to cover up some of this stuff. Togusa himself, he escapes. the The guy of the, the head of the Sunflower Society gets killed. the The narcs get the 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 document, uh, which we have learned is a copy. It's not the original, so. The original still exists somewhere. Uh, and then Togusa gets shot as he tries to escape. And uh, it's a great cliffhanger. And ends up yeah. we we see because this is also one of those things where we've seen Section 9 people get shot before this season. And it's never really been that big of a deal. But ah uh, yes. But because Togusa is not so fully cyborged, this is a much yeah, uh, this is a. I mean, this is life threatening, and it it was literally. I mean, he got shot once, uh, but it was right through you know the chest, the right side of his chest, and uh, he. The episode ends with him falling down in the street. He's and bleeding out, and uh, and the credits roll, leaving the viewer yeah. to believe that if you were watching this on Adult Swim, they might have just killed Togusa. Which that is what, what, dumb golden retriever of a human. <laughs> so what's what's great is that that episode aired in July of 2003 in Japan. The next episode did not air until August 2003, like July Ooh. 1st to August 3rd. You got a whole month. It's uh, like trying to get the last three episodes of um, uh, Gravity Falls. 
<laughs> so let's uh, let's go ahead and jump right in because these episodes, like we said, are going to run very close into each other as we go into episode twenty one. Oh, Tyler, good to make the tie tie cut. Uh, does episode twenty make the tie tie cut? Yes, it does. Of course, is, it is a good Togusamira good, moment. A, good action episode lays the groundwork for some important events later. Uh, all in all, besides our one bag Togusa moment, uh, very good. All right. Yeah, I, I feel like it's gonna hard to be cutting any episodes because each one contains so much vital stuff. Mm. Like I feel like it's almost like a Jenga set. Like if you take out one block, everything else kind of falls apart. Oh, we shall see. Right, so I let's, mean, let's get in, let's get into episode twenty-one, left behind trace, eraser. Uh, so this episode picks up right after Togusa has been picked up. He's in uh, Special Defense Forces Hospital, uh, and they're about to operate on him. And <laughs> the major and Aramaki bust in. It's like, we need to preserve his memories now. And the doctor's like, oh, we can't do that. We need to operate on this man. And Aramaki's basically like, no, get his memories. And so they do that. <laughs> so uh, basically, they've d- dived into Togus's memories. The entirety of Section 9 is experiencing Togus's memories from the DEA raid. Uh, and, and, and basically, they figure out a number of things. First off, some, are, some of the members, like who the raid was carried out by, the Narcotic Suppression Squad, which has already painted a different picture of what happened that night, and a particular name that was on the list of Mirai vaccine uh, people who have taken it, Dr. Imakarus. Uh, and Dr. Imakarus uh, is interesting because he was on the board of the Ministry of Health, Labor, and Welfare that denied the, the validation of the Mirai vaccine up to and including getting a, a custom stamp uh, that didn't exist before to stamp denied on it. And then very quickly accepted and promoted the, the micro machine companies, a specific Serrano the, genomics. And boy, does the show want you to know about that custom stamp as they bring it up. Like they bring it up a lot, a lot. <laughs> it's, there's, more than a few sentences dedicated to that stupid stamp. <laughs> well, but but again, that's one of those things where it just shows you how how corrupt right. the whole thing was. The stamp didn't exist before. Yeah. It exists now. Uh, and, uh, and and we learn a lot of the reasons. And and I will say, um, Imakurusu is one of the more interesting players in the truth. Um, because he... I mean, just to speak vaguely, I liked him because he wasn't necessarily like evil and corrupt. He just kind of he had motivations and he and, and impulses and he and he acted on them and other people kind of manipulated him in the end. Uh, I liked him. I really I liked him. I, so until the end, until the see, end. Yeah, but he he also has a dumb Togusa moment. Oh, he's got the biggest dumb Togusa moment of the entire <laughs> so, show. So, so let's, well, let's Don't get... leave this room. What is the first thing he does? So well, let's get into it. So Imakarus was on the board that was overseeing those trials. He had a personal vendetta. Not, I don't want to say vendetta. He, he was in the pocket of the micro machine companies we, we discover uh, but he also has been suffering recently from cyberbrain sclerosis and has started taking the Murai vaccine. But he and the Laughing Man have been in contact with each other, and he is convinced to to come forward 
that 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 he's going to to pull, blow the lid off of this whole thing and, right. and oh and how he was convinced was the uh, is what we find out is the laughing man sent the sunflower society the list of who took the Mirai vaccine and he made it seem like the list came from Imokurusu's office. So when Deputy Chief Nimi finds the copy, they trace it back to Imokurusu's office, which of course makes Deputy Chief Nimi go, this guy has betrayed us. Time to send my really cool bad guy after him and murder him. Um, so really cool bad Imakurusu- guy also gets a bit of an upgrade in this episode. He does. Imakurus obviously has no other choice. He has to work with the Laughing Man if he hopes to come out of this at all. Um, but at the same time, he then makes a dumb decision. And, well, mm-hmm. So, so mean, meanwhile, he's in hiding. Nobody knows where he is. Section 9 is trying to, to find him, and they, they hook up with the American Empire surveillance satellites. They go through this I liked thing. that a lot. We'd been introduced to the American Empire, and I liked, I mean, even Aramaki just had a throwaway line, which was the CIA owes us that much. But I like that that kind of referenced back to the few episodes that where they had yeah, interactions I did, with I the American too. Empire. I thought that was just a really cool, you know, a lot of times these episodes can feel really isolated in the moment. Uh, but I thought that was just even that one line was a cool nod to the history of the show. Yeah, it's it's just, it's just, it makes the world feel more lived in. It makes the it things does. feel like they had some sort of impact. Is this our first look at, at Parlor Ishikawa? Yeah. So yeah, so, it is. So that is, was so cool. The old timers. So, oh, I so love that. Is, this is another thing. Ishikawa doesn't get a lot to do in the first season of the show, which which disappoints me because I like his character. I like his his the whole vibe Ishikawa throws off. But one thing that Ishikawa owns is a pachinko parlor where a bunch of old men go and they hook up their cyber brains to the pachinko machines, and every now and again, uh, <laughs> Togus or. Uh, uh, not Tokusa, uh, Ishikawa, Ishikawa will kind of borrow some runtime on their cyber brains to, to run information. <laughs> it's so funny. And he pays them off by having a bunch of them <laughs> win, win money, which yeah. is just, it's, it's great. Fantastic. So they use, they use the, a combination of pachinko players and the, uh, <laughs> American empire, you know, uh, I, I put in my notes, um, Section 9 uses American Empire Tech to tap into all communication in Japan. The Patriot Act finally pays off. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they use they use a mix of these two to pick up on well, some communication yeah. well, and, and from they, Ima Kurusu to find his location. Well, and that's one thing that I really enjoyed. Like, you think look at Section 9 being this extremely technologically capable organization, but they're getting so much data run through that their, like, assistant robot ladies start popping off yeah. and shutting down because there's too much going yeah. through. I yep. really enjoyed that. Uh, so meanwhile, Imakarus makes a phone call. The dumb Togusa move. And who does he call? Who does he call, Tyler? Who does Imakarus call? Not the Ghostbusters, but w- which would have been a far better decision. He calls Deputy Chief Nimi. You <sighs> dumb... Dumb. And, and Nimi oh, even yeah. says, you picked the wrong shoulder to cry on. And he, I, I can't say it any better than how he said it, because it was totally true. So, meanwhile, Section 9 knows where they are. The Narc Squad 
knows or knows where he is. The narc squad knows where he is. And both of them are converging onto that location to either take him out or protect him. Yep. Uh, so while this is going on, Bato busts in as a one man squad. It's, it's also really interesting because Bato himself is super frustrated and upset about all, oh, yeah. everything that's going on right now. And we get the, uh, and because all of the section nine has, has dove into Togus's memories at this point. And there's this new thing that kind of happens where, there, there's some emotional resonance that happens through that, and 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 Bato is is a little a little angrier than he would normally even be. Although I would argue he'd probably be pretty right. angry if somebody shot his buddy Togusa anyway. But right, uh, but, yeah, nobody likes it when you shoot a golden retriever, Drew. <laughs> exactly. We we also we just kind of skip over the fact that the the one thing is is it's kind of a throwaway line, but we hear uh, the Laughing Man basically say that he also isn't the Laughing Man. And we get oh, our right. first little piece of evidence that there was there's more of this laughing man well, story. He doesn't. It's not. He doesn't say. Oh, that he he's not, says it. He doesn't. He says I never called myself that. Yeah, but we which do I think learn, is a. But he also a, mentions a, that he wasn't the only one. Right. Well, he mentions specifically that he wasn't the one who did the corporate terrorism aspect of the story. So all because Ima Kurusu essentially makes mention. That, well, you must have made off well with all the money you took from Serrano and those other companies. And he flat out says, that wasn't me. I didn't do that. So we're already, that's our first little nugget of separation from the legend and the reality. Which does uh, match up with, so. with, with the theories that Section 9 had early on that well, the two motivations of between the Serrano kidnapping and the corporate terrorism yeah th- didn't seem well, to match I, I like that we get these ideas early on and again that's the one time they do that is even though they're not they're not a hundred percent on the money they're 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 in the ballpark and i yeah. like that even one of those ideas was like yeah that was the right one it, it so often shows feel like they have to go so off the wall with their mystery that it almost makes the mystery more of a disappointment that it's not within the realm of reality of the show and that happens a lot. And that ghost in the shell, like used aspects of some of the working theories on this kind of only real mystery. We get to really tackle in this season in terms of things that have a lasting effect. And even, even the world has built up this mythical laughing, laughing man. Like, like you said, Tyler, I like getting this. There's more to it, but it's also not as complicated as you think it is. Right. Like it's and, it's a really it's a really cool way to do this, right? And finally, after a massive info dump, we get a dope action sequence. So this action sequence we need to clarify because the Narc Squad now knows that they're going to be going up against Section Nine, and based on what information they have about Section Nine, they know that Section Nine has a bunch of walking tanks, multiped tanks. I guess nobody yeah. told they them. They called about. them think tanks in English, which is like, what? So think tank actually goes back to, uh, that was so. So if you watch the Ghost in the Shell movie, the end battle of the Ghost in the Shell movie is against the major and what looks a lot like the tank that we saw in episode two of this series, mm-hmm. and they keep calling it a think tank, a think tank because it is a thinking tank. It's an artificial intelligence tank. 
Boo. Multiped tank is a cooler name. I I, I kind of <laughs> like think tank, honestly. Uh, I, think, I mean, I get it, but it, it's just weird because I think that's the first time we've heard them referred to as a think tank in this show. So Right. So for me, that was really weird. Like when they were talking about, they've got think tanks. I was like, what are they talking about? I've never seen Section 9 have any kind of think tank. And then when they go through the hangar, I it dawned on me what they were actually talking about. Yeah. So, well, anyway, we're, we're not to that point quite yet. So, so, and we find out that the, that the narcs have a little connection to something else. And, and of course yeah. our, our, our leader of the narc squad gets this gigantic, burly four armed armor suit. And some of Pretty cool. And some of his uh, team has been replaced by Marines. That's oh, yeah. weird. Yeah, but uh, to be, <laughs> but to be honest, those Marines weren't weren't worth much. <laughs> no, no. The only the only one that's worth much is is the guy in the tank, and the this guy is the, the first time. Suit. Yep. We because you know the, they're trying to uh, section section nine is trying to get there before they you know lose their only massive lead, and as a result, of course, we were always going to get the major versus the. The virtual mobile suit. Yeah. So, well, so we we should we should set some of this up. So, Bato gets there first. He goes in through a yes. helicopter, through the window, but unfortunately, he can't get Imakarus out through the window into the helicopter without killing the guy. Uh, so they now have to make their way through the hotel. And again, these guys, the Narc Squad has stealth camo like Section Nine has. It's it's. They're using, we're seeing a lot of the stuff that Section 9 has used the entire show be used against them from this yeah. point, which is really, really interesting. Suddenly, Section 9 is the ones that don't that can't rely on stealth camo and don't have a giant robot backing them up. Like it's it's a it's a huge right. thing. The major drives her car through the lobby and then just and then meets up with Bato at that point and they make their way out. But of course, it is now we get to it. Major versus armored suit in one of the greatest scenes in this show. Yeah, it's a very cool fight sequence. It's the first time we get to see the major honestly take serious damage. And we are actually at the point where it's like, well, she might not. She might not come out on top on this one. And I appreciate that because for most of the show, it we've just kind of seen her skate by which i mean i get the major is supposed to be the baddest of asses but it is nice to see that you know there are challenges that she has to step up to right and points for realism right i mean she can take on like mono imano one to one she wins she just she wins if you are just a person with a gun she's going to beat you um it, it, whether it's hacking or hand-to-hand combat or gun, she's very, very good at those. But this guy is in an... I mean, she literally has nothing that can pierce his armor. And I did... And like you said, Miles, I really appreciated the fact that she loses here um, because she should lose. There's just... It would have been... It, it would have been at like a, a, a video game-esque level of ridiculousness if she had somehow managed to beat this thing with the resources she had right she does come up on top but it's only after the fact so well so let's get into it so she so she is is distracting 
this armored suit so that Bato can get Imakarus out. She is, she loses an arm. She gets her, her head smashed into the ground and it, and she almost loses consciousness. Again, keep in mind, she is armored to the point of, of insanity because she's got a super high end military body and that luckily she can turn the pain receptors off of. (laughs) Yeah. And, and this is cool too. Uh, this answered, you know, remember, I think uh, back in one of the other complex episodes where she takes like the hit from a massively cyborg man and the ground caves beneath her. Mm-hmm. Again, we see this. We see the strength of her prosthetic body, because although this suit is putting full pressure down on her, the concrete still breaks before her prosthetic body does. It's very right. cool. It's 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 so well animated. And I love I actually love the the end of this because it's the first time, especially in combat, we legitimately see the major lose her cool. Oh, she loses oh, her cool. Yeah. And, and we gotta we gotta give props to Saito with a Oh clutch. yeah, hundred percent. Saito, fork that weapon over now. Oh so so Saito has has pulled up in the back of this van basically, and he's got this huge mounted gun. Yeah, that, it's like that, a sniper rifle, but like the size of a tank. Yeah, like like it's a tank weapon that he's got, and he shoots the the guy, and it just puts this big divot in the armor and doesn't and and doesn't pierce it, but it's enough to to knock him backwards so that the major can get to her feet. Saito fork that weapon over now. Beautiful. She gets her hands on it, and you remember her hand on it. She has one arm. She 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 gets her foot up on it as it's down on the ground and she's standing on top of it and she takes a shot and it puts another divot in and she pulls it up and then cocks it again. It's so awesome. I love yep. this scene. It's really cool. Shooting it over and over and over and it's not going through the armor, but Narc Dude inside is terrified well because it's also it it may not be going through but it's it's still bending it and pushing it forward to where it's on his chest so he can't breathe and he's even like pleading with her he's like pop the top i cannot breathe yeah and i mean but she doesn't even listen she's just doing it and doing it and until I think she either runs out of ammo or she finally kind of comes to her senses. She runs but, out of ammo. <laughs> she does yeah, not come yeah. to her senses. <laughs> but I love that because it's the first time we get to see her show. And we've seen her show emotion. We've seen her like kind of open up uh, and be empathetic. But this is the first time we really see her really emotive. You know, Sweet. she's yeah, she's she's yeah, pure unbridled rage in her eyes. It's beautifully shot. It's it's also beautifully animated. And I mean, I, I, I don't I don't um, disagree with Drew calling it one of the, the the best sequences of this entire show, even though I haven't seen season two. But th- this this is definitely it's top notch ghost in the show. It's top notch yeah. anime action. It's yep. top notch uh, animation and, and showing off what you can do with the constraints of a TV show like this is yep. this is phenomenal. And of course, it takes place in, in one of the you know, the last stroke of the, the first season, but man, all, all, even the episodes that we were going to cut, even episode three, it was worth it to see that. If only the episode ended here. Oh yeah. So I 
don't dislike the way this episode ends. Oh boy, did I hate it. Why? <laughs> In the tie tie cut, there's a certain part that's go- just it's out. <laughs> so so Imakarus is outside, he's with Bato, and then all of a sudden just walks across the street to have a conversation with somebody that's across the street in a big puffy blue coat. Bato's like, where are you going? What the heck is going on? Uh, and uh, of course, it's Imakarus having a conversation with the Laughing Man. Uh, it is important to note, and we didn't note this earlier, this is one of the first times that we have seen the Laughing Man, but he hasn't covered his face. Which is... Well, it's the first time that we 100% know it's the Laughing Man. We've seen him, but we sure. just didn't. We just didn't have the information a hundred percent that that was him. Accurate. I, I will accurate that. Uh, so they have this conversation. Bato suddenly realizes that his eyes have been hacked, which is why he can't see what's going on. And right as that happens, uh, a, a car pulls out from the Narc Squad B team that takes Imakarus out, and that's it. He did. Yeah, but that's that's how we we all knew that dude wasn't walking away. Like it just wasn't going to happen. And I, we knew that there you might say B team, but like that was kind of seemed like there that was one of their the higher up sniper people, the that that chick. Uh, we never see her again. Isn't that the same girl well, that uh, do we? Next episode? we don't know. They all like, change they all change bodies. They change. A- I mean, like it could be, it could not be. We have no idea. It's neither confirmed or denied. That would make that would be that would be better to be honest. That would be. I, nice that, that, I, I always assumed that was the case, so that makes me. I still, boy, did I hate this ending. I mean, like I knew Ima, <laughs> I, I knew Ima Kurusu had to. I I knew he was going to die, or at least I thought heavily that he was going to die. But like for this guy just to cross the street and to say be like, oh. Sup, laughing man. Blah. Yeah, you're dead, you dummy. <laughs> you big dummy. And then Bato is a trained military guy, and his eyes get hacked, and then he just shoots into the sky. Why? Yeah, okay, okay, okay. I will give you that part. That was being so dumb. Really stupid. I agree with that. That was. I also, I also could have done without laughing man. Is that what you really look like? Yes. Like, so. I, I, I want Ima Kurusu to die. I want Bato to make the mistake so that he has the motivation for the rest of the case. But, but make them more... I, I, I get it. Make them a little bit more realistic and less stupid. I, I anybody, get that. Anybody who's ever been around guns, remember these are military trained people, know that if you shoot a bullet up, the bullet comes down. No, that's you not don't, true. Then, Miles, oh my god, am I gonna reach? I'm gonna reach this. Slow <laughs> <laughs> uh, so gun war, Tyler. He, he just wouldn't... I, I hate when Bato does that. I think he actually does it at another point in the show where he just like fires into the sky randomly. And I hated it when he did it then. And I hate it now. I really dislike, this is a wonderful episode. Episode 21 is one of the best episodes in the series, but it has a <laughs> rotten egg of an ending. It's like the last 45 seconds of the show. <laughs> so obviously this has to make it into the tie tie cut, but boy, howdy, that ending. I wish I could <laughs> yeah. play it. So let's let's get into it because we're going to find out a lot more about what's going on uh, in the next couple of episodes. Maybe not so much episode twenty-two, corporate graft scandal. So section nine moves against the DEA publicly. They go to Nimi's office 
and they arrest him for murder in connection to the Sunflower Society uh, killings, as well as what went on with the the Imakarus thing. But, and this is something I need to look up. As he's leaving, Aramaki gets in an elevator, and uh, and former Prime Minister Kanzaki, who is the guy from the previous episode. Very cool. Liked this a lot. Who's, mm-hmm. Whose daughter we saved, or they saved. We didn't do it. Episode 19, we I think. Watching. No, you and I did it, Drew. Don't you remember when we went <laughs> I, on that I'm used to playing video games. Uh, I don't know. The, the warehouse blew up. You protected me because you're cyborg. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, And, and it didn't of, burn me at all? Yeah. And, <laughs> it and, didn't and, burn any of us. And he warns Aramaki that the guy that's pulling the strings has a lot of friends and high places, as well as a strong connection to the Navy. So, Which is, so we learn why our our really cool bad guy was it was able to get his hands on the suit. In the meantime, Aramaki also gets a, a notification that his brother has <gasps> been has been arrested for drug trafficking in this whole new area of the city that we're just now learning about that is Yosuke. has been a that's a, a much larger part of season two of the show uh but uh and it's a it's a reporter that that pops up i think yes in the in which, the parking garage again so we've had a dumb now that's to- a fake reporter right yes we've had a dumb yeah, toga we've had a dumb togusa moment we've had a dumb imakarus moment and now we get and- the dumb aramaki moments so here's the thing though is I don't know. I it's harder for me to frame this one as purely dumb. It's I would say ill-advised, but there's a lot going on. I think it, it would have been better served again if we'd had some more personal information about Aramaki earlier in the season and got to know a little bit of of his past a little more because the information we get is as the episode goes. So it does seem dumb that he's doing the things he's doing at the time. But when you reflect on it and you find out the truth, of the whole situation, it's really sad. It's extremely sad. So, so what we learn in this episode is that Aramaki has an older brother who disappeared during presumably world war three. They have not seen each other. Aramaki has dedicated his life more to, his government work and his military work than finding his brother not necessarily knowing whether his brother is even alive or dead. Um, and so when this, when this attempt to kind of come into contact with his brother happens again, again, this is all stuff that two things are going on here for me. One, they should have introduced the brother idea earlier on because otherwise that doesn't make a lot of sense Two. I kept waiting for Aramaki to flip the script on these people that like, yes. he, like he had done in previous episodes, like the wine episode and all of this, where he knows more about what's going on than anybody else. And maybe he would have granted they did drug him. So, uh, so, so well, I, this is where I do agree with you in that because that there is no flip script moment, it does seem like Aaron Maki, and it's just could be like the major in the previous episode. The emotions make him off his game because, yes, previously he's the smartest guy in the room at almost any given moment. He's got an answer to questions you haven't even thought to ask yet. Yet here he is making rookie mistakes. And I, I mean, th- that's he, where I do definitely agree he, with you there. He goes to the jail 
He's like, I'd like to see him. And the jailer's like, we've been instructed not to let anybody see him, even especially family. It's like, oh, I see. Hmm. He doesn't say, Major, I need you to go see if my brother's there. <laughs> he just Well, the, the Major, well, the major has other anything. problems. <laughs> has but, he been getting his vegetables? Yosuke always never ate his green beans. <laughs> so, so, uh, so while this is all going on, so, of course, Aramaki goes to the the allowed what what do they call it the uh basically he goes through the slums of the city where nobody goes that there's no police that it's it's just nothing but homeless people and a bombed out husk of what's left of this city um and and of course he talks to these two people who claim to know who his brother is and well, we learned something about them shortly, but let's go over to what the major's going on. Because remember, the major lost an arm last episode. She's going to get a new body. Yeah, so <laughs> she's basically going to transfer her ghost into a, a a slightly better version of her her current you know Kusanagi. It's, frame. it's not even slightly better. It's exactly the same because she likes that. I thought frame. I thought I thought they said they added something to it. Her her witness says that some of the, I I I thought that. The, the line from the witness, which was like, some of these aren't, are like illegal. Or... Aren't even legal, but. Yeah, so I, I thought that, yeah, I thought that made, I thought that implied that maybe she had changed. Her, some, some of the, the schematics, yeah. Yeah. Some of the, maybe, yeah. Maybe we, we, we also get the, one of the most egregious fan service shots of the entire season. When the doctor comes in with swing utters. For for lack of a, be- a better phrase, um, <laughs> to to be to be quite honest, so this is this this part again. We've so we've had a dumb Togusa moment, we've had a dumb Imakarus moment, we've had a dumb Aramaki moment. Now we have a dumb Major moment. Well, N- I don't know. The, the Major has no reason to doubt what's going on. This lady is is ex- at least in the English dub, she is extremely suspicious she's 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 suspicious to the audience and i think it's only to show the audience in an obvious way that this lady is not on the level Mm -hmm. but Um, i don't think it's supposed to be communicated that she's doing anything suspicious that um, she's just annoying so to 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 like to come in between both what miles and drew are saying I don't believe that the major would allow someone she didn't know to work on her correct like you, I, I think Miles is right. We don't have a reason to suspect that this person is bad. Um, but at the same time, it's like the major is a little paranoid sometimes. She is, but her best nurse friend is in the the next yeah, room she looking sucks. at her. She sucks. I mean, she's, <laughs> she's dumb. I agree. But I mean, there's no reason. I, I don't know. I mean, I agree that, that she's very paranoid. But where else is she going to go except the hospital? So... Mm-hmm. I mean, again, because we see some of the moving parts before they're shown or revealed to Section 9, we have more reason to, you know, it's red flag. We're supposed to know that. That's supposed to be, she's supposed to be the bomb underneath the table while two people are having a conversation. You're waiting for the major's moment to where she she gets it. Um. So until then, it's all annoying comments and fan service. And basically traps the major you know instead of transferring her body she basically shuts it down except for her her mind and now 
is her her ghost is being threatened until so, so, until until she gets a little uh little so, little help. So we should also clarify that what the rest of Section Nine is doing right now is they're they're believing they're going to have some retaliation by the narcotics suppression squad. So they're trying to figure out using this this encrypted database what the faces of the the last three members that they ha- are unaccounted for look like because they change faces da, 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 da. and of course right as all of this is going down they figure out oh no it's the three people that are pe- that the people are with two of them are with aramaki and one of them is the the person in the in the uh the mind swap room which uh not to not to nitpick here if I were the bad guys, I probably wouldn't send two people after the enfeebled old man and one person after the totally badass uh, major. I might flip that number. Well, however, but, honestly, though, I think they oh, made when, the, you, when you have, I made the, yeah, they, they made the right call because the major was was done for without the helping hand of the laughing man stepping in to <gasps> what? to stop it. I actually, I really like that scene a lot. Like, say what you say what scene. you will about the setup, the the whole like everything happening in the mind where the the laughing man and, and the major are having a conversation, and he's obviously invisible to the uh, DA Tech's eyes. It's a really cool scene, and they even show you that yeah, no one else can see. I mean, her her nurse friend's just looking on, like, oh, it's just a regular regular thing i will say of like the many abilities i've seen in anime the laughing man's ability to you know in real time hack people's eyes and essentially just walk around in this very nonchalant manner is so cool he he oozes awesome like it just you know the it's so cool he's got invisibility powers it's i know but and it's really really it's really interesting for whatever reason. There have been a lot of shows that have had invisibility, but the way they do invisibility with him, I just, I like it a lot. And I, I also too. like that he, he, he speaks mostly. And we get very, very few lines where he ever speaks physically. He almost always is speaking uh, via wireless communication. Uh, but I, and, and then I really, really do love the, the voice acting and the acting in general when he does, speak physically because it's always very emotionally charged it's always very poignant when he does speaking of invisibility and hacking eyes this is one of the other things that i really love about this show because bato ever since the last episode where he got his eyes hacked by the laughing man has been a little obsessed with getting his eyes hacked what does he do to the two narcs that have that have uh that have drugged Aramaki and are keeping him for the cops to show up to get him in a big drug bust to rob him of all credibility. He hacks their eyes. <laughs> it's great. I mean, Bato, he learns his lessons, man. I, I he learns every, his lessons. I think I said this in every episode, but Bato, I mean, I don't want to talk about Bato to me <laughs> is, is, is one of the most fun characters to follow around. He, like, really he gets the, he get, he gets the most pathos out of anyone in the show, even the major who is pretty much the mascot of Ghost in the Shell. Right. But Bato just every time there, he does something, you're, you're just yeah. you're just laughing. You're just like, oh, Bato. There's also an episode coming up that we'll talk about that 
does not have anywhere near the emotional impact if you don't have the character work they've put into him. Oh, 100%. It's, I gotta say, I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I was really surprised at how I felt during that episode because of just the groundwork they laid up until then. But I'm getting I'm getting too far ahead. Uh yes. Um with this one. Yeah, so, so we we find out basically this this conspiracy goes pretty much all the way to the top. Like this is where it's really confirmed in this episode. Like this, this is insane how how high this goes up. And I feel like, you know, we know we're going towards things not being great for section nine you can just kind of feel it in the air uh as as things as both of these stories happen you're like okay you know there there's got to be some powerful players for even this to be orchestrated yeah yeah so so we should clarify this episode ends everything's fine but section nine has a much better idea of who they are working with or working against well, it doesn't end quite fine because their key wit- one of their key witnesses, which is Chief Deputy Nimi, who was the one giving orders to the narcotics hit squad, attempts cyber brain suicide. Uh, if and, you could not hear the air quotes in uh, Tyler's. <laughs> yeah. And what, what does that mean? Well, as the major explains to Aramaki and to the viewer, it means that his testimony in courts is inadmissible. Can't be used means nothing so they kind of are just out mm-hmm. and we also uh you know we find out that this is this is the part of the episode where we find out that that aramaki's brother really was missing and that's why he went down there the, the entire time you're you're still trying to figure out what that what what why aramaki makes the decision to go down there but then you know he finally lays it out that yeah his brother was missing and he probably should have known better but at the same time, I, I I fully get with his explanation at the end why he went down there because the hope that his brother was still alive after all these years. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I get that. It's great. And you know a great place to introduce that concept when we had the in the serial killer episode when we know the serial killer is distributing his memories through uh, people in those slums. Uh, have Aramaki's brother show up then. Don't yeah, mention it. Been, Don't bring it up. Just make a guy that looks kind of like just Aramaki. Say Yosuke. But yeah, just say Yosuke, say Yosuke. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but the, the other the other like little big tidbit we have to take away from this episode is that when the laughing man is wirelessly communicating with the major, he pretty much lays out a huge mm-hmm. favor. Uh, and he just requests, hey, don't get in my way. Let me finish what I have started. And oh, by the way, <laughs> Here are all my memories? What? Yeah. He plugs into her and just like, boop. Oh, and then we get a dope, like, nervous system shot. And then the opening credit song plays while they connect in, like, an ultimate form of consciousness. And this gets into some really deep, really weird psychological conversations that happens later. But uh, yeah. Well, we and this big, this big this dips away right from. into the next episode because Equinox is where we we find out we were laid out the entire Laughing Man origin story as it is in actuality, and this is episode, this is where episode twenty three, the other side of good and evil, Equinox. 
so this this is a really cool episode because it's another one of those quiet episodes, almost like a chat room episode. But it's giving us information that we've been wanting since the Laughing Man story started. And while I, I know some people are kind of iffy on how they feel about how the events really roll out. I, I have to say that I was pretty pleased with how they were able to balance who the Laughing Man is in comparison with the legend of the Laughing Man. And it honestly, his actions, and I think this is why the major follows through on her promise in the prior episode, is the comment she made where there was almost some admiration in her voice at the beginning of the series when she talks about the Laughing Man case was that, you know, he started off with, you know, a real intent and then just kind of got lazy and, and standard. And so you find out that basically the laughing man wasn't the laughing man, but Which, he was the laughing man. So again, this is <laughs> but he wants to become it now, but this is where we get into the whole concept of the standalone complex, the copy without an original. And that is as through the heart of this. And even in ways that we haven't learned at this point. So this episode starts off with, the Laughing Man returning to kidnap again Ernest Serrano, the CEO of Serrano Genomics, just as he did six years ago. Yo. He kidnaps okay. him. There's a really interesting way that it all goes down. They return to the same cafe where he was kidnapped, and they have this whole story about what happened six years ago that, that you know, why, asking Serrano why he never fulfilled his promise about going forward about the vaccine and, 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 you know, basically how Serrano has been under house arrest and all this information. Uh, and we learn a number of names uh, of, of who's been going on about all of this. And it's all very, very interesting info dump stuff that is really detailed and really dense that I don't know how much we want to focus on right here. Yeah, and no, I mean, a I, lot I of snooze. Oh boy, does this episode hit the snooze button on some of my attention span? Well, too much. It is. I would have broken it up a little bit, but at the same time, there's only kind of one way to really deliver some of this information. And I mean, I, again, I didn't mind when the show paused for the chat room episode, and I found that the information here really solid some of the phil philosophical conversation could have been cut short you also have a really fun bit with the with section nine trying to track down who they believe the laughing man to be and i found that part pretty fun especially when should we reveal the the end of this episode i mean we kind of so, have to before can, we can i to can i say a little nitpick can yes. i just a little, another little nitpick pick away Here's a little uh here's a little pro gamer move for all of you out there. If you have someone under house arrest because you're trying to protect them from the laughing man doing what they did years and years ago, and you know that years and years ago they hacked the eyes of the people who were watching them, wouldn't you oh gosh, I don't know put people on guard who had real eyes? I don't know. Well, well he even know. says he even says they're not really security detail to protect him, but more to keep an eye on him. Yeah, but uh, not I only mean, not only do their eyes get hacked again, 
But Bato reveals to them that they all have interceptors. Interceptors. Which is that was going cool. all the way back to the start of the season yeah. and the interceptors, which is what You kicked, idiots. Which is what kicked off this entire entire reinvigoration yeah. of the Laughing Man and case. I liked that the interceptors made the all but briefest appearance. Um you know, it, it really didn't amount to much. Um, but it was a cool it was a cool well, well, it's what it's what kicked off this whole case again. So it was nice for them to to have some some importance. What? And I I, I mean I sound like a broken record because I, I mentioned this uh, during this episode during the last episode. Drew's mentioned it during this this episode as well. Here is where I have a real problem with the a lot of the reveals about this case. Is I feel like the impact of a lot of the big reveals as to who the, the laughing man's really working against and who the real uh, person is pulling all these strings. We needed them peppered in this entire show because you don't get any impact. Like you're told these people are very important and they're, they're basically running the country. That's cool. Again, the, as a plot point, I don't mind that as the reveal or the twist or just who the, the culprits are. It makes sense. But ingrain them a little bit more into the world so that I really feel the impact because they're all giving real reactions to like, holy crap, this is this is a big deal where I'm like, huh? Cool. Okay. so so I think part of this is that I think on some level we don't necessarily understand the way that the Japanese government works. I know that's a, a stumbling block for me. Uh, but uh, but I, but there's enough of it. So so let's let's lay out what we know. So we know already about the Murai vaccine. We know about Imakarus and the Micro Machine companies. Yeah. We know that there was some behind the scene deals that were going to put the Murai vaccine to the side because, as we kind of learned throughout the last few episodes and in this episode, Micro Machines were new. And they thought that if the Mirai vaccine took off, that not only would it stifle micromachine technology for cyberbrain sclerosis, but for everything. Yeah, so they really thought like public perception would just not favor the micromachines. You know, it's they just well, thought that progress would be become stagnant. Now that was Imakurusu's excuse. Sure. In reality, the dude was trying to make his own vaccine, but he and got couldn't do beat, it. And couldn't but do he it. couldn't do it. And so I do like that that layer to him. And I think Serrano has that layer as well. Yeah. Serrano, they didn't do anything to push their micro machines necessarily. They applied for a patent ahead of everybody else because they wanted to get a jump in the sector. And, and that's a as big get, and- as I get pointed out. It could have been Serrano. It could have been any other company. The uh, the National Health, Labor, and Welfare, they pushed forward them because they happened to be there at the right time. And that was it. And they, and they, they both went in, got a lot of that praise and a lot of that fall because right after the Mirai vaccine thing happened, all of a sudden there were a bunch of, of hacks and, 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 and blackmail attempts and other things that... 
basically put Serrano into a, a bad spot. And of course, all of a sudden, there's a, a bunch of government bailout money that happens at the same time. And so it really, all of this stuff is happening at one time. And mm-hmm. it's all under the banner of the Laughing Man incident, this master hacker who's doing all this stuff that we learned that, that we've had theories the whole time, but we now have spelled out in this moment were different things happening at the yeah. same time, one after another in copycats and using a situation to their advantage and it all goes back to one person a man named yakushima who is the current japanese secretary general secretary and see i really wish we had gotten him specifically a little bit earlier because yes you know i may not know specifically how the japanese government works and this is obviously a fictional japanese government sure but also you know, this is someone who's who's a powerful enough to pull the sh- pull strings above Section Nine. We all know that Section Nine is not independent. You know, they they are still an official task force. So of uh, course that there's there there are superiors. I would have liked to have seen him maybe just in the background or having conversations or mentioned, just peppered in here and there because clearly that's the kind of a person like that is going to be aware of Section Nine's endeavors. Which it, that, we're gonna get into this in the next episode because I got yeah. I got some I got some problems with how some of that information is laid out in this next episode. Just to be clear, uh, from my understanding, the Secretary General Yakushima is the equi- is the equivalent of Mitch McConnell in in this world. He is the leader of the ruling party. He's not the Prime Minister, that's above him, but he is the leader of the ruling party. So, like. Mitch McConnell. Makes sense. I'm dating this episode. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so this- into 1998. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, but uh, so so basically, but the, we also learned that Yakushima has had has been in charge of all of these different steps along the way, which is how yeah, we, we learned his political ladder, which again, like, like news fest, like Don't where, care. where, where Imakarus was the head of the health and welfare. Now Yakushima was when this was going down before Yakushima was part of that. He was the, the secretary of the Navy and, or the Navy yeah. special defense forces. However, they, they want to call that. Yeah. And then they explained that Yakushima and Imo Kurusu were just good golf buddies. I don't care. <laughs> so, again, again, I feel like some of this uh, this information should have been retooled and redistributed throughout the show. I mean, um, what what this episode what this episode really does, in my opinion, is it's like, oh, that thing that you put together before now. Yes, this is what happened. You were right. Here's the person right. that is was behind it. And they are big and bad, even though I don't know that they have even have a line in the entire series. But that doesn't matter. I'm because, aware of because we were about to get into some really awesome robot fights. So <laughs> let's jump into it. Episode 24. Uh, we still have oh. three more episodes to talk about. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. The final word we're on 23. Tyler, you said you going to say something. I'll say it at the end of episode 24. Okay. We'll come back around. So episode 24, Sunset in the Lonely City, Annihilation. So, section, so oh, we, about oh, section we, didn't, we, should, we didn't even say the, the Laughing Man during this whole time was the major and disguised as the Laughing Man. Should probably have mentioned that. Right. Makes oh, a big deal. Right. 
Right. Oh, and you know what? Never mind. I'll, I'll say now. Uh, episode uh, twenty, episode twenty two and twenty three, in the Tai Tai cut. One episode. <laughs> just one episode. I would I just. Can, I, I, can I would just. That. I'm gonna cut like. So this is gonna be a rare moment in the Tai Tai cut. I'm not cutting a whole episode, but I'm cutting a lot of twenty three. And then enough of 24 to put the parts of 23 that I like and jam them all together <laughs> into one and, episode. And, and who knows? That may be how the Laughing Man OVA comes out. Because as as cool as as I think, um, as much as I liked seeing Aramaki make his mistake and the Major and the Laughing Man have that conversation, I don't care about the remaining DEA agents. I didn't care about the Major's body change. I didn't care about Aramaki's brother and I didn't care about a lot of the dialogue that happened. It felt very, it felt like it was pumping the brakes on a lot of the momentum they had built from the previous episode. And I didn't really want the brakes to be pumped here. I wanted them to continue to accelerate. Episode 24 does a good job with acceleration. I really wanted to keep that momentum going throughout these two episodes. Um, Again, 23, uh, 22 has some great stuff in it. But I think in in what well, in my perfect world, a lot of that would would, would go away. But anyway, twenty four. So oh, so last thing about twenty three. Oh. There's a moment in twenty three that I thought was really really cool, which is when um, there's a shot of a surveillance camera and they're looking at the car that Mr. Serrano's about to get into, and you can see the car sway as the Laughing Man is getting into it before Mr. Serrano gets into it. But you can't actually see the Laughing Man. It's I really loved that oh. little detail. Oh. That was a mark of a great, great piece of attention. Actually, there's one other detail I want to talk about in episode 23 that also goes Let's back to it. episode uh, 20. Uh, they bring it up a little bit in episode 20, but if you look at the Laughing Man logo and the way that it looks, mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> it yes. is it, the design of the Laughing Man logo is mirrored both in the logo of the Sunflower Society in episode 20 and in the Starbucks ripoff copy company in episode 23. I love that. I love that oh, no, so, loved so much. As someone from the Pacific Northwest, I was like, oh man, it's just Starbucks? What? <laughs> <laughs> but 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 just to see kind of where like if you're if that's the logo you're looking at, that's how you could quickly in your mind create a fake logo and put a JD Salinger quote around it. And yeah, <laughs> and, and it just goes like to it. show how impulsive the act really was. Yeah. You know, for yeah. sure. It's not like he sat in a room and came up with the logo. It just, that was what was in his mind because that's where they had been. And that's what he used. And I, I just, you're that you, I'm glad you brought it up because it truly was a very, very cool reveal. Yeah, I, 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 and again, I, there's so much about this episode that I really, really appreciated. Like, I think the most of the information contained with it is necessary, and that's why I can't really cut it. But I do think I, I do agree that I wish the information was redistributed. I know I sound like a broken record, uh, but a little bit more throughout some of these episodes. Uh, but let's let's just dive right through the uh, episode 24, "Sunset in the Lonely City," annihilation. Uh, here we have Intel pop up that section nine sting is leaked and is being framed as a kidnapping hostage job. Now here is where my biggest contention with this series has always been is it plays willy nilly with the public perception of section nine constantly. Some cops don't think section nine exists. Yet now there's a public perception about how they should proceed on the day to day. And then later we're told that 
Section Nine's existence was leaked to the media. Like you can't you can't have your cake and eat it too here. Like they have to have a consistent line about what people know about Section Nine because they keep going back and forth on this. And it's I think the, I think it's the one real true like flaw in this show's writing is that I don't think they could ever from episode to episode keep it keep it together. So I, I I like to think about it like this. Section 9 operates better without a huge public persona, which they have done so far. Now, if they have a big enough job, the idea behind Section 9 is going to leak out and become kind of a rumor amongst stuff. But what's going on here in episode 24 is that not only has the government revealed that Section 9 is real... They revealed it in a way that says, not only are these people real, but they're about to try to pull off a coup. <laughs> so, But that goes against specifically what someone says to Aramaki, which just says public perception for years has said that Section 9 has had too much control. Like they, they flip flop it. Like I don't disagree with what you're saying as to how they want to present Section 9. I'm saying the information that they are giving the viewer constantly contradicts itself. And it's it's such a distraction for me. I'll give you that. So well, so we should say at the start of this episode, Aramaki is going to confront the Prime Minister of Japan about what he knows about Secretary General Yakushima to try to, to say, we're moving against him. We want to arrest him. I think my Aramaki impression is getting better by the episode. Major. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, but of course, the prime minister, and in one of the truest things, one of the realest things that happens, basically says, "Yeah, but there's an election coming up, and if you arrest this guy, that's going to hurt our chances to win." So, no. <laughs> and, well, with, without, no, without, and, and by the way, pack your bags, take your crap, get out. <laughs> like section with, nine, donezo. Without getting political, the smearing of Section 9 and then calling its existence into question mirrors current events in a very eerie way. And the reason I bring this up is because good science fiction does this. They do things and speculate in a way where even 20 years later, which we're almost at with the creation of this show, relevance can be gleaned. Some of the best science fiction uh, has always done this. And I love that, you know, in 2020 – this little bit is is still relevant, and I I think that that way, that's just really smart writing. I know I just criticized the laziness of some of the <laughs> flavor of of the world of Ghost in the Shell because it's flavor that doesn't really matter. It's just because they highlight it so much that it really annoys me. But in terms of the actual writing that does matter, this is this is great a stuff. I mean, because you can see. The writing on the wall for section nine in that moment. And it's and then the way things go from here on, I mean, it's it's wonderfully executed. I agree and I hate it. <laughs> well, you hate it because you love section nine. Well, no I, okay. So here's uh I, I I this is again kind of getting ahead of things, but one of the things that I greatly dislike from here, really from the last episode, but really from here on out, they're really, they're just, I like a well-defined villain. And we'd lose that in this show 
and I that makes me sad. But I that, but agree. that's but that's the thing that that in situations like this, there isn't a well-defined villain. The, I also I, agree with villain, that. The yes. villain might be the power structure what, what, itself. Like it's it's right. It's, but what 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 Tyler is communicating is not necessarily the problem with what the show does. It's just that he doesn't like that in his storytelling. Am I, am I sure? Okay. Correct. I think, I think what the story does, um, is, is, is good. I think the questions that I ask and the, and the, like a lot of the philosophical questions that it poses are very good, but I lost a lot of interest in these episodes because I, I am a fan of the bad guy. I, you know, to me, that is oftentimes the, the, how do I phrase? I find that the greatest way to see your character development in your protagonist is to have them reflect strongly against an antagonist. And we don't have that anymore. And so a lot of the, a lot of the character stuff that happens from here on out is important to solve the case. The case has to be solved. We have to bring the story to a good ribbon cutting ending, but we we don't really have um, a foil for section nine to reflect off of, and that just kind of that just kind of makes me sad. So uh, two, two I miss th- it. Two things I'll say about that. The first is that while I agree with everything you're saying, and I understand that, and I think that is ap- appropriate to say, uh, I think that the whole time that we're leading up to this, we're meant to think that the laughing man is going to be this person for, for exactly. And we have found out and we have found out that that is both not the case and the case because we are still uncovering everything that's going on Two, Well, in that aspect, I loved this. I loved the, again, I love the twist. The laughing man is not the villain you thought. And while as much as I loved the mystery of the laughing man and the thought that the laughing man was an awesome name and make for a great overarching villain. I love the fact that, He's not really a villain. I loved that. And and I totally agree. And I was ex- so when that happened, I was really excited. I was like, I was like, cool. This guy, good guy. Those other guys that did the bad things, oh, we're gonna <laughs> bring them home. We're gonna we're gonna come to your town. We're gonna get you. I'm gonna bring you the flavor of pain. I was so hyped to see <laughs> Section Nine do their thing against general the secretary general yakushima and all his little scummy scummy goons and we don't get that and and yet but my feelings exactly reflected the feelings of everyone else in section nine in and again i'm jumping ahead here but there's a there's a whole conversation they have about their feelings and i'm like i feel exactly how they felt and in that way in that regard, where a show is trying to get you to empathize with their with their characters, a hundred percent sex, sex or blah, success. <laughs> but uh, it, it's still kind of. I I left feeling very unsatisfied at the so, end of the season. Well, yeah, because well, this, this episode so, so say, basically says two. You're gonna love season two of Ghost in the Shell Standalone <laughs> Complex. Good. Good. I, I need some. I need some fulfillment. Well, I need the major to punch someone really hard. So we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. So so this is where I want to go ahead and say, 
there is going to be a lot that we're going to talk about in this episode, the following episode, 25, Smoke of Gunpowder, Hail of Bullets, Barrage, and Public Security Section 9, once again, Standalone Complex, that are all going to run together as one big, long, movie-length episode. And I feel like yeah, we stuff, just need to start... gets wackadoo fast. We, we need to start barreling through, because we're an hour and 20 minutes into this already. <laughs> I mean, I, honestly, there's nothing else I can really say about this episode other than, you know, it ends with Section 9 being fully burned and Aramaki kind of saying... This is basically disbanding it. Best of luck. Survive. Um, You get a cool moment with Togusa, and his confusion with what's going on is very heartbreaking. He looks like a kicked puppy. Oh, yeah, that part And 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 that scene leaves you with wondering, does Aramaki have a plan, or is he just as screwed as everyone else right now? Like, it's it's, the way it's filmed (laughs) is, yeah, is great because... You call into question because you saw how easily he was taken before. His his uh, om, omnipotence as as chief is is in question. So you don't know. Well, even his what, even his even his government buddy from the earlier days, as he's going to confront the prime minister, is like, you know what? Why why don't you go into the public sector? I always thought you'd be better at this than than doing that. And. And Aramaki's like, because I have a good team and I will never create another team that is as good as this team. It's true. It's true. I love that we get a, a true Bato is Bato moment at the end of this episode where he's like, screw it. It's my life now. I'm going to do with it what I want. And you already know, like, oh, Bato's going to go blow something up. Like, <laughs> <Yep>. He's going <laughs> to cause some trouble. And I well, that's not, that's not this episode. Is... That's the next episode. No, that's, because that's we're treating this well, all yeah, as one yeah. thing. That single line is at yeah. the end of it. We, so we got to get through it. So as, as all of this is going on, there is a special forces restriction bill that has passed in the parliament that basically brands Section 9 as a bunch of traitors. And so they are going. Yep. So they're they're going to be under attack by, uh, by a really awesome rad team of of naval marines uh, called the Umi Bozu, a special ops unit that, uh, like Section Nine, does not exist. But unlike Section Nine, has a lot more of those four armed power suits that we saw almost kill the major a few episodes ago, and they are going to go after Section Nine in their own home, uh, and that's where but, cool. where the next episode sets up as Aramaki and Togusa are together uh, because Ar- uh, Togusa drove uh, Aramaki. He's out of the hospital, but he's still kind of like, "What you think? I just stay in bed." Uh, <laughs> so so they 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 get spotted and and they go on this brief car chase before both of them are arrested and taken off the board. Meanwhile, yeah. as as uh, Aramaki basically says to Togusa as they're separated, "Stay alive," and just like he said to to the major and all the rest. Meanwhile, the major is leading everybody else to the the Section Nine headquarters, tells them to get a bunch of cyborg bodies and pile them in this room and then they get under attack and there's this hallway firefight and they back up and then they blow up their own building or at least a floor of it. As they it's escape. a really, really cool sequence. It's, it's all it's so a cool rad. sequence. It also and, shows and, you, you know what have been nice during the whole fight? Multiped tanks. 
Oh well, you know we get we get some uh, we get some reference to them because one of the Tamagotchis has seen the news. Tachikomas. I know this is so cute. I was so happy they finally came back. I miss them. I didn't realize how much I miss them in this show, but their childish nature just lends a layer. It, it that does. I, yeah. And we also get, I mean, the episode kind of starts off, uh, episode 25, we, we see a little bit more of the kind of, the the Tomagachis are kind of seeing something's going on. And they're they're starting to, at least from the one we see, I, I might need to check on my, my old people. And the one thing that bothers me is we see one of these giant think tanks climb and bounce themselves on a chain link fence. And that don't really fly with me <laughs> because chain link so, fences um, so we are should, not we should, that we should sturdy. clarify a little bit. <laughs> so the Tachikoma we see has been depowered, but uh, is working in a, a nursing home. Folks home. Basically. Yeah. Uh, and and it's still, and, and, and very very endearingly too. Very endearingly, yeah. they the people that also work there love the Tachikoma. They're like, oh, it's so sweet. It does such a good job. And and uh, it sees this the what's going on with Section Nine on the news that just people happen to be watching, and it gets a little nostalgic about what's going on. And then later on in the episode, they see the building. They go up to the roof to find uh, one of the the old timers that's walked off and they see the Section 9 building burning in the distance and it's a whole big thing. And it's yeah, and it makes this decision after getting a howitzer shell from this old man (laughs) to go off and find Mr. Bato specifically. So that was the major, right? I don't think the, the old man, the old man in the howitzer was that that was a setup from the major because he seemed like he he was hacked or like I the guy just didn't seem I don't, just carrying around a howitzer shell. Right. I so so I, I did I, not get that. I don't I don't know the answer to this. Yeah. That would be very fascinating if that was the case. But I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 I just felt like so the the Tachikoma follows kind of a bread trail um, here. But yeah. It all starts with being handed this massive shell, and the the old person who kept saying a singular line over and over again, the battle is going poorly or the battle is going badly, something like um, that. It just seemed it just seemed very like cryptic and spy like, which is which I just attribute to the major. So, <laughs> I mean, my, I, I, no, I, I think I think you're I think it's a really cool theory. I, I buy I, it. I, I, di- I disagree on one particular thing. And that's mostly what happens with the Tachikomas later. So, oh, okay, yeah, Keep, let, OK, then let's continue. So 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 basically there's a big blowout at Section nine. The they plant a bunch of fake bodies, which the major knows is only going to stop the Umibozu for so long. We learned that the Umibozu is another special forces black ops team that is off the record. So meanwhile, the special forces restriction bill is going through to turn to, to make section nine criminals, but the Umibozu still operate just fine. We, yeah, we find out that's where the, the, the narc squad got their robot body thing, et cetera, et cetera. So as the building explodes, they're all, into the wind that break up into groups of two. And then the groups of two break up into groups of one to disappear. Uh, 
Pazu and Boma get separated and Boma runs down this hallway and then you hear a bunch of gunfire and you think, oh, Baba Boma. Uh, Pazu gets arrested. Uh, Ishikawa goes to his... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to his parlor Ishikawa and he he his pachinko parlor he has something that blows up in the ceiling and he tries to make his way out amongst all the old timers but uh, of course he gets captured there um, Bato goes on his own campaign and the major disappears into the wind I'm sure I'm missing somebody I think Saito gets gets uh, nope uh, he gets caught Pazu gets caught trying to spread the information that the major gives him by the super high talking bartender guy. Oh, I normally don't take jobs from anyone but the lady, but I guess I'll make an exception this time. He got you under- better. Well, except all the people that were in that bar are the Umibozu guys who capture him. So yeah, it's a whole big thing. Uh, so meanwhile, it's a big thing. All that are left on the outside are so Togus has been arrested. Uh, Saito's been arrested. Pazu's been arrested. Boma may be dead. Ishikawa's been arrested. Uh, we don't know where Aramaki is at all. Uh, so bas- we're down to Bato and the Major and what happens next to them. So, uh, who there's so much that happens here. So Bato decides to go on his yeah. own. Ca- Bato decides to go on his own campaign, and he is trying to presumably reconnect with the major uh he this is where we get into something that i don't know how much you guys have noticed or maybe it's something that you only notice when you rewatch this series but uh have you guys noticed anything between bato and the major the entire time boy no and no. boy did i hate it <laughs> i did too it was so dumb oh it was Here's the thing. No! There, there are a ton of subtle subtleties, subtleties, subtleties about Bato having a little bit of a crush on the major the entire time through this show. He pays more attention to her and what her whole deal is than anybody else does. It's a whole thing for him going back episodes and episodes and some of them get written off as just like jokes, but this is where they kind of come to a head when he basically takes his weapons stash and goes and camps out outside of one of her hideouts. And uh, in one of the coolest scenes, like thinks that they haven't found it yet, but it's just because they've been monitoring it remotely and goes in. Yeah. Recovers her watch that we learned the significance of that. They have actually showed us the watch previous to this. Which is, oh yeah, yeah. Which is, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. We we see it because she literally uh, she takes it off right before she squares up against Bato before she hacks his brain and makes him punch himself. So we have seen it yes. pretty a few times, a few times, uh, and uh, <laughs> in one of the biggest I don't know whether to call this a fan service moment or what, but when so Bato goes and then he's immediately oh, attacked yeah. by the Umibozus that surround the place. He ducks back into a closet and he pulls out, he's, he dives under a dresser and pulls out the dresser above him. And he says, oh, Major, I knew you'd have a sash somewhere as he picks up a bunch of grenades and explosives. And as it pans up, it's under the bottom of a lingerie drawer, which is 
Really? That's all very neatly folded and put together, which I was just like, dude, nobody's underwear drawer looks like that. Let's get out of here. Get out of here. here. I could could buy the major's drawer looking like that, though. So, but regardless, we get this really cool fight. So we get a really cool fight because as Bato is fighting against this, this mech suit, what does he do? Oh, he hacks that dude's eyes. He learns more his lesson. Yeah. And then, and, this, I mean, he kills him execution style. Executes Jeez. this dude. Like that is one of the darkest moments in the show where he's, he basically is like, I'm sorry. It has to be this way. Pow! Blast that dude it's, through the head. Ooh, doesn't kneecap brutal. him or nothing. It's Boom. just like, bye. Lights out. I win. Uh, and of course, yeah, he it's, does. It's it's brutal, but honestly, nothing to me. I did not think watching. Well, go, go, go on, Drew, because it's going to involve this. As we get out there, uh, Bato doesn't notice that there is another armored suit that he hasn't taken out and of course they fight and Bato is on the losing side of meanwhile who comes to the rescue the three remaining Tachikomas that hadn't been destroyed earlier in the season show up one is the one that we have seen that has the howitzer shell that looks pretty normal the other just escaped from the testing facility no longer has their little pod at the back and the third is now a construction robot that does high wire yep. construction stuff. And this is one thing that I love that they don't have all of their features anymore. The what the Tachikoma that was because well, the, they're all the weapons were taken away. Well, not just the weapons, but like the wire work stuff. Only one of the Tachikomas, the one that was working the con, the high rise construction stuff, had the wire stuff left. Yep. But it had yep. no yep. way what? to shoot a weapon anymore. Like yep. it's it's all- one Tachikoma had literally nothing. One had wires and one had the Howitzer shell, and that was all the assets they had. And they came and- to the rescue of Mr. Bato to save him. This fight scene, this scene, it it hurt me. It dude. really hurt me. I did not think this would make dude. me as sad as it did. Yes. So obviously, three Tachikomas that don't have that aren't fully equipped up against a Navy battle suit. They don't stand much of a chance. They manage to get Bato to safety, but one of them gets shredded in the process. The two remaining ones square off against this suit, and it becomes pretty clear that they can't take it out unless they have an extremely well-placed howitzer shot. But right when right when our main Tachikoma goes to fire that howitzer shell, what happens? Click. Click. A dud. The howitzer shell doesn't go off, and the and our high wire tachikoma gets shredded by a hail of bullets. It's barely functional anymore, and but there's just enough energy remaining for it to fire some from for it to fire some wires past the suit, and it propels itself into the back of the suit, pushing them both forward towards the remaining tachikoma, which that tachikoma, Bato's tachikoma throws itself against and that hits the primer on the howitzer shell and boom massive explosion and the three tachikomas sacrifice themselves to save bato and boy it tugged at some emotions 
It, and it did. I mean, I was so happy because I really felt like they didn't get a very good send off. And, and up until this point, I felt like they just got rid of them because it would be too difficult to do what they were trying to do when they had with it, with an organization that, that had that many multi pad tanks at their disposal. But it really paid off here. And, uh, the, the, you know, and then, and also the sadness that Bato doesn't really get to see any of this as it happens. They, he pieces it together when he comes back to consciousness, but you know, man, ah, just what, 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 what brought me the wrong way. I don't know. I felt, I don't know. I hate what's cause I, it's, it's, I hated that she did this. The major's basically all, oh, whoopsie about decommissioning the, the, the Tachikomas. She's like, oh, yeah, I guess I was wrong. Huh. So, so huh. this is where I don't think that the old man in the old folks' home was a major thing. Because the major seems to learn the lesson about the Tachikomas then. That right. they had gained sentience. They, did, they learned self-sacrifice, which is something that takes this particular well, level of AI... And and again, it's it's her reasoning before didn't seem to have the grounds as as much as she thought. And then now she basically even says, "Yeah, I guess I was wrong." Using the exact same reasoning that she said they were becoming a nuisance, and it just it, it irked me. I mean, I liked that the major did that in that. Okay, it shows. Yeah, she she was wrong, but. She's so blase about it. Like, huh? Yeah, I, I really, I and I, so I, how I always felt about it was that when she decommissioned them, it was because she just she did not value individuality in her unit. She wants quantifiable known factors, predictable factors. She knows how Bato's going to react and Saito and Paz. She knows these things so well, that she, she, she knows, knows when she makes she knows, decisions she where knows to send predictable people. individuality versus unpredictable yes. individuality. And that's what the Tachikomas were becoming. But I I think she finally kind of learned that they were gaining that individu- individuality and she didn't give it enough weight. And, you know, it it was more important than I think she was giving it credit for, which maybe be what the admission was that she was trying to give. I don't know. It was still weird kind of seeing her in a child's body. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was just sad. Sad Yeah, moment. so we... We have then we have Bato and Major as the only members of Section Nine who were uh, not arrested and not killed. Um, And we see them them getting on a plane until before before this. We need to comment on how they go to the Major's apartment that overlooks. Do we have to talk about? Do we? I don't think we do. That overlooks the the whole. Because I I feel like on some level this is part of the major's plan. I have one question I, about this scene and about what happens as they have escaped the vision of what happens as the as Bato has his arm around the major as they walk off. But yeah. uh, so, so yes, the the major and Bato have a philosophical conversation about what's going on with all of this. Um. They go to the hideout. A uh, bunch of stuff happens. He returns the watch because he has recovered the major's watch from the safe house. It's important that you see her put it on because we see in the next scene 
that she is not wearing it as they are going to get on a plane. And then we make spaghetti. Yes, we see a brutal animation. It's beautifully animated. Like I'm insanely impressed by how they how well they did this of the major getting headshotted by a sniper. And it's it also ends with Bato having a <laughs> Anakin Vader moment. Motoko! Just, Motoko! just <laughs> screaming her name to the high heavens. I get uh, it. it. It honestly I it made it seem a little silly. Um this is why I this is why this is why I believe that what happened the night before happened wink uh for the sake of this plot and plan i am in the majority of people who do not belong to the major being with bato um i think that's it's stupid um yeah and and since uh, it seems like most of the uh literature and stuff outside of this the evidence is that she and Bato are not a thing. Like they, no, I, I, I don't think they are a thing. Let me clarify that. If anything happened, it was the major doing it to set up something for the sake of this plan to go off. Which would if anything happened, if that's the case, that there should have been some sort of like yeah communication of that information because otherwise it's just. I I'm I'm with Tyler. I'm I'm fine skipping that entire. Uh, so here, here's why I don't. Here's why I don't like that. One of the things that the reason why I like the like Bato and the Major and the and and a few of the little conversations we get to the, between them is because Bato values sentimentality. He he values the things that remind of remind him of who someone is. Like, like the their conversation un- about the movies. Yeah, their uniqueness. And yeah. they have this conversation multiple times throughout the show where she continues to rebuff his philosophical idea of sentimentality and kind of cultural uniqueness in individuality. And I loved that he went to get the watch, not because he liked her, not because of any feeling romantically, but 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 to prove that she actually has those feelings, that she isn't like because she makes some comment, oh. If I, you know, if I don't like my memories, I'll change them. If I don't like something in my body, I'll modify it. Yeah, it's, it was this very blasé feeling towards uh, really transforming herself to fit the need, not necessarily how she feels. And he wanted to pull something out of her house that proved like you don't feel that way. This this goes against what you're saying, and I liked that. What I got was bedroom eyes by some gray-eyed circle cyclops. What the heck? Because he's 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 into her, man. You can't you can't deny Motoko! it. Uh, Motoko! I, so so I want to I want to move past this I, because we have a lot more to talk about in, in this final episode as we catch up with Togusa. As he we we learned that that a few months have passed and. Here we are in the time since the last episode in this episode. Uh, Section nine has been disbanded. The the media has spun it. The prime minister got the support to win the election. And immediately after the election, the prime minister disclosed information on the laughing man case and arrested secretary general Yakushima. 
<gasps> Unbelievable. So after this... Yeah, so- it's also said in this episode that Sections 9's existence was leaked to the media and how that was unacceptable, even though apparently there is public perception of Section 9. Again, this is, this is what infuriates me. This detail in the show is so obnoxious. This whole se- this whole series is about media manipulation. <laughs> they hacked your eyes, Miles. They hacked your eyes. Uh, <laughs> mean so meanwhile, can, can they hack my eyes to show me a better ending? Ooh. Boom! Got him. <laughs> so meanwhile, Togusa has has uh, you know he was arrested. He was he was interrogated and just released. Yeah. After he was released, he just got picked up by the fake company that he was supposed to be working security for that his wife is what he thinks is doing because she doesn't know that he works for Section 9, apparently, and uh, thinks that the rest of the team might be dead or doesn't know. He's he's concerned that... That did did Chief Aramaki just abandon the team? Did he abandon us? Did he leave us to rot? Da-da-da-da-da-da. And, uh... He decides to to take action. He decides that that on this this election day, well, it wasn't election day. He's 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 gonna go to this to to the the party headquarters with a gun. He's gonna take matters into his own hands. And guys, check the upper right hand part of your screen. Bad Togusa moment number two. <laughs> Bad Togusa moment number two, except uh, it's it's all taken care of by the trap card. Bato is alive and stops him. Yep. Turns out everybody's fine. Why they didn't go let Togusa know uh, for sucks three for months. Him. For three months. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the denouement of this show, I think, doesn't quite stick the landing. Like, yes, I'm relieved. Section nine is still alive and well, and they they give a very flimsy explanation as as to how everything basically was taken care of. We don't get to see any of it, so the oh. the story does feel like it has a little bit of an anticlimactic ending. I, I agree with um, that mostly because it's it's just a reset button. Oh, everybody's alive. Nobody died, including the people that definitely looked like they died. Uh, and and we get an idea that, oh, oh, the only reason that you were taken off the board that early is because, you, one, you're not prosthetic. You're not cybernetic, uh, Togusa. And you had just been shot and had just been back on the force. So that was Aramaki. Aramaki getting you arrested early is how he protected you and how he helped protect all, all of us. Honestly, I was a hundred percent fine with that. I that I'm fine was with one that. explanation. That's, on my, that that's perfectly fine. Having and, to, having Togus to take a gun to a political thing because he's been depressed so for three months is dumb. However, it's I will. So dumb. I he, will he say has two kids, and he's not doing that. I don't. Care. I, I will, I, I however, agree. say that that whole aspect of this ending is only made better when we get back to this the new rebuilt Section Nine headquarters. As oh yeah, as uh, the rest of the Section Nine crew makes fun of Bato by playing the tape of Motoko. Uh, that was pretty great that was one of the better scenes in the show because this is a rare moment where 
all the members, almost all the members are in one room. They're all kind of like joking with each other. You see a lot of like just the personal rapport. Ishikawa's making fun of Bato. Bato alludes that they'd all kind of bet and were making fun of Togusa oh, and what dumb thing he was going to do. <laughs> and that they'd all gambled on, retriever. on his, him doing that exact thing yeah. that he did. It was, it was really heartwarming. It, it felt good to see them all uh, really together and 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 being okay. It was a really good moment. It was definitely the best moment of this episode. Um, I really enjoy what we get later. It, uh, is the major and AOE kind of philosophizing in his library. Yeah. So that and that is that is that's where we go. So we we know now that that all of this was a setup by Aramaki to protect his team and somehow also reform section nine. It, it, that is, it's a reset button. It doesn't make a ton of sense. It's maybe the thing that makes the least sense. It's it's just honestly, while I mean, everyone's hurt. I feel like I've been more of a Debbie downer in these four episodes, just because it's something that Tyler said, I think in, in this, our second episode doing this is there's so much of the character and world building that this, this show effing nails like 10 out of 10 in terms of its concept its world and its characters that when it falls short of the very high bar that it establishes for itself i notice it more and hard and to end this in, in honestly kind of a lapsadaisical frankly lazy fashion i think it really is does a disservice to the show I, I I mean I I I I will say I have enjoyed this entire season. I am glad I watched it. I will watch it again. I will probably the next time I watch it watch the Laughing Man OVA to see the differences and what was changed. Uh, I am definitely going to watch uh, second gig or whatever they call the second season. Second gig, yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, but I I do think that this this season does not stick the landing with with its last episode. There's a lot of things that I do like. But the stuff that they would do with Togusa and just, yeah, like you said, the kind of push the reset button with a, oh, well, who cares? We're all back together. That's all you care about, right? Just it bums me out because the show is smarter than that. The show is better than that. And I really wish that it could have stuck the landing with what was, for the most part, a very compelling story. Yeah, well, and but but, we, but, we end with uh, the mayor going to a library. <laughs> There she the major. speaks with. Did I say the mayor? Gosh darn it! The mayor, the major. The oh, dang it! The major uh, going to a library. There she sees Ollie, and uh, they have another very long-winded uh, philosophical discussion. I like the philosophical discussions that happen in this show, but when they're very to the point, this one goes on a little longer. Uh, I don't know if there's too much to be said about the conversation they have drew well, i don't know if you want to talk about so there's the, huge the things there's huge things to say about the conversation that they have in this library so we learn and and then this confirmed that the major and well mostly that aramaki is 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 not in the section nine building when the rest of this and the major's not in the section nine building because they're going to go try to recruit a new member and right. we learned that 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 the major and aramaki are going to try to recruit Away to become a member of Section Nine, uh, oh, which I really liked. 
which I also really like. So, so but as we as we talk and and so I always is the kid that we know him to be the one that we saw in in episode oh what was it nine when Togusa is 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 investigating yeah. that. Uh, yeah, when he blows the cover on his when he blows uh, this cover his operation. Uh, but we also learn a number of things about this whole thing. So Aoi is working in a library surrounded by nothing but physical books, and he, they he he repeats some of the the catcher in the rye stuff, but also seems to be annoyed by some of the things that happened with that. And we learn a number of things and confirm a number of things about the the section or the section nine investigation, the laughing man investigation, all of this stuff. But what is maybe the most interesting thing about this is that we learn that he only started his quest because he found a blackmail message on an open server sent to Serrano genomics that yep. his whole, like he, he's, he was very heavily cyberized as we know, as far as he was, he lived in that, that crew. He was part of the, the kids that, that got a little too into being in, into the internet uh, with their cyber brains. We learn all of this stuff and that we find out that, as much as he hates phonies and all of this stuff from his his J.D. Salinger references, he only went after what he did because of a blackmail message that he intercepted that was not sent by him, that he himself is a copy. It's, the, it's a copy of a copy of a copy with no original, and it's just... That is maybe one of the most fascinating things about the that whole character, that even at, after all of this, with all of this, this you know being real and and taking responsibility, that all he did was a result of of just this one thing he saw that that resonated with him, that he decided to right. to copy himself. I I really enjoyed that, and I I honestly I wish that he had not declined because I think it would have been really fun to have him as part of section nine. And obviously I'm not going to ask for spoilers, but I do hope that he at least pops up at some point in a future ghost in the shell episode, because he's too fun of a character to not use again. I, I agree. Uh, I hope he, I hope we see him in season two. Um, you know, I thought the conversation was was good. I liked that they tried to recruit him as well. I liked at the end where um, we see Aramaki and the major turn to leave, and he's just not there. Um, <laughs> so, it, and what's interesting is because we we learn that a person's consciousness and individuality can survive being online, um, I, because that's what the major did. And so I, th- I think that was interesting because, I, and I, I'm interested in how you guys interpreted it. I interpreted that um, that Aoi oftentimes just doesn't have a physical body. That I think his consciousness lives mostly online. And when he wants to talk to people, um, he oftentimes just kind of projects himself. Like he just I mean, hacks the, their eyes, there is, there shows is, himself there. There is absolutely the chance that he is still just the kid at the facility that we see briefly 
and that everything else we've seen of him is just a digital projection from wherever he is in that moment. Right. Well, we know that it's, he has to do well, physical things because it's, it's well, I should say it's tough to do that in the library because you know, but also they could just be, he could just be hacking their eyes remotely because they're connected to something else. It's yeah. I mean it's it's I, I, it's all question it's all a question and it, and it's left ambiguous yeah. and that's good. Yeah. It's nice that it is this mystique of, I mean, there are only, there are only like three moments we know where he kind of interacts in a physical way that we're like, a, a, a body must be there, right? When he hands Bato a binder, that has to be a physical being. Whether it's his actual body or not, that's a physical being. When he pulls the needles out of the major's brain, that has to be a physical thing. And then when he held, when he holds up Mr. Serrano at gunpoint, that's a physical thing. But I just like the mystique of it where it's like sometimes he's really there and sometimes you don't know. You could be seeing something that's not actually there and perhaps he was never there in the first place. Um, I just, I loved everything about that, about that character. So let's get into the, the denouement of this episode. The, the, the way that the season ends is much like the season begins. An event happens, and Section 9 needs to get rousted and organized in order to, to get back to work. And, fellas, this is where I discovered something that I did not know before. Because this episode ends with Serrano, of Serrano Genomics, going to his car... Uh, as he has yeah. decided to finally testify in all of this and his security guy's like let me get the door sir and he's like no I'll do it and then all of a sudden a guy that has been walked past them in an earlier scene walks towards the camera and yes Serrano is dead yep dude gets murdered which I'm just that was where was that when all the bad uh. so I got a question for you guys Uh, who killed Serrano question because I I know because I know now because I I I did some investigating because I was fascinated because he says he they say a quote uh they say a quote out loud and I recognized it and I was like I should know who that is (laughs) <laughs> and then uh, I didn't. So enlighten us, Drew. So the person that walks away wears a particular suit and he's got a mark on his face right here. And so I did some digging. I had uh, the, 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 the internet helped me because I was, job, internet. I was flabbergasted by like, they don't answer this. This seems, this seems more important than it is. And then it pointed me to a few things. So, you notice a similar suit on the individual that kills Nanao A in episode six. Nanao A, the fake laughing man. Right. That we learn. Yeah. So, if you go and look at the credits of these episodes, you see a character credited as Fukami. Fukami also happens to show up 
slightly earlier in the episode Interceptor as one of the people that Togusa interviews wearing the same suit with the mark on his face who tells him all about the Interceptor scandal at the very beginning of this series. Oh, when they're in the diner? That is the same name and same voice actor in all three of these, uh, the credits of these episodes. Just further, just further, like, is he the real true laughing man that sent that first email? Or is he just part of the government scandal as part of this? Who knows? But here's another mystery for you. (laughs) But that's so much more interesting than this whole entire episode we get at the end. (laughs) So that's really cool, though. So I, 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 let me let me guess. This is never gone back to. No, no, never. Never. That's what I figured. So, I, hate that. So, I hate that so much. <laughs> so, so, fellas, we have finished season one of Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. How do you feel? Well, I do think that, uh, I mean, comp- obviously I have some, some issues with the show and how they laid out some things. Overall, I, I honestly, I really loved it. I loved the characters. I loved the, the ride they took me on. And a lot of my criticisms came out of it just wanting to be that full 10 out of 10 the entire time. That's really where, even though I might have sounded harder on the show than I often am, most people who listen to the show for years know me as, as you know, always, always loving everything and being Mr. Positive about stuff. I've, I've been tearing into the show mostly because... I see how high of a bar it sets for itself and I see how good it can be. And I want it to be that all the time, which is an unfair expectation. But I, like I said earlier, I had an absolute blast with the show. I loved it. I prefer this version of the story over the classic movie. I am looking forward to watching the second season and following that up as well. It, it honestly just kind of reignited my, my love for ghost of the shell that I didn't realize was, dormant for so long <laughs> Tyler this episode is or not this episode but uh, this show is has been extremely fun to watch um, I like I, I mean the quality of it the, the the just the joy in getting to see everything unfold is unique and I think that it is worth anybody's time to go to to watch this um and and buy the blu-ray and and really play around with all the and and hear it in english and japanese which is what i did and i thoroughly enjoyed the differences um very very fun but and and just because you know i know i said that these i i struggled with these later episodes because there was no strong villain you know that's just my own personal taste. That doesn't mean that the show failed in any way at all. I think it set out to do exactly what it wanted to do in a very grand fun style. I mean, yeah, we get a, we get a, we get a weird reset button at the end, but it's not very often that you watch uh, your protagonist get taken down to the nubbins, not existing (laughs) at all. Fate undecided. And then having them all come back, and when and when Togusa experiences that, you're right there with them. There are so many moments where I feel like you really do connect with these characters, where you connect with Togusa, and it's like, wait, why? I've been depressed for three months, and you guys are fine. Where you connect with Bato and and the loss 
of the Tachikomas, uh, where you connect with Aramaki and his frustration that his team is not only not getting recognition for uncovering a massive issue, uh, but is getting torn apart that he's having to tear them apart and like the weight on him for from having to do so where all he can really do is hope they survive so that he can then try and put them all together those are those are just wonderful you know and you feel that and it's really really good uh i am i agree with miles i'm excited to see what happens in the second season uh i hope we get more righteous butt kicking <laughs> is is what i'm which is what i would like to see um but yeah love it so I will go ahead and tell you guys, I I will answer some of the criticisms that you guys have had. So Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex second gig came out in the real world a year after the first series. Uh, but in continuity takes place two years later. In That's fine. The, in the in the first season, you have the the laughing man that we think is the big villain, but turns out not to be. Well, guess what? Not only do you have uh, one main villain in standalone complex second gig, you have two main villains. <gasps> double, double the fun. Uh, so you might in season that. in season one, you have standalone episodes and complex episodes. In season two episodes, you have individual individual and dual episodes as they they talk about different parts of the puzzle but even then some of those individual episodes mix in with the individual episodes some of the individual episodes mix in with the dual episodes and it's all a lot of language um, I am <laughs> I am more of a fan of of the first season of a standalone complex than season two, the second gig. But I don't think that season two is bad. I think that especially some of these standalone episodes that you get in second gig are some of the best. I'd be willing to talk about them on a show like this, but you know, I know we have other stuff going on that maybe we want to focus on, not having to to perform for an audience as we watch a cool show. I get it. I get it. I don't know what you're talking about, Drew. I've just been in a basement going frame by frame through the show since we started this at the beginning (laughs) of the month. (laughs) That's it. That makes me sad because anime is over. And Tyler, that means that you're not going to be joining us on next week's episode. Oh, Parting is such sweet sorrow. Ah, But we have had an absolute blast with you, Tyler. And I know we've talked uh, off air about you coming back in the future and being kind of a a recurring guest star every now and then. I might come back on and do another tie-tie cut for whatever you wish to consume. (laughs) Well, I look forward to that. I do too. Thank you so much for joining us, buddy, because it has been an absolute pleasure. And I mean, I know on top of our other show, you know, this was definitely a lot to ask someone to go through a 26 episode anime and spend, you know, two and a half hours a week talking about it. (laughs) Hey, uh, well, thank you guys for inviting me. This was extremely fun. There is a completely different mindset when you're watching something just for fun versus you're watching something where you know you're going to talk about it and analyze it. You know, I've never been a part of a book club. This is the closest thing I've ever come to that. And 
I can see why people love doing it. You know, <laughs> it's fun. It's fun taking apart uh, all these little things because, you know, you're just one set of eyes on, you know, 30 minute segments. Uh, not even that. And it's cool to hear what another set of eyes, you know, how they feel if they at least they, if they haven't been hacked to show a different reality. And uh, yeah, I just, I like hearing what uh, you guys enjoyed and what you didn't. Uh, this has just been a very fun experience for me altogether. Glad to hear that. And we definitely, we hope you want to come back uh, because we would love to have you. You know, you're one of one, you're a good dear friend, but you also have some fantastic insights this entire time. And, and oh, well, I think it really enriched uh, my experience uh, going through the show. Um, and I, I probably said the same for Drew as well when him going back through it. And, and hey, you might even be inter- interested in uh, our 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 next month, which is going to be the theme of second chances. Oh, second oh. chances! So, as we uh, talked about this, this is one of the 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 themes that we didn't didn't have planned out for our show when we brought it back. But as we talked about it more and more, especially as we were going through our Final Fantasy VII episode of all things, we decided, you know, huh second chances might be something that we could move into. So we are going to take this next few weeks to focus on things that that maybe we remember vaguely that may not have ended well or aged well or or things that we didn't pay that much attention to that aged really well. We'll see. But the first thing that we're going to do is something we, we spoiled in our Final Fantasy VII episode. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within, the 2001 motion picture release, the computer animated sci-fi film directed by Hironobu Sakaguchi, the director of the Final Fantasy franchise, creator of the Final Fantasy franchise, uh, and the franchise that ended his, uh, the the movie that ended his tenure at Square. Uh, and uh, change Square as a company forever. Uh, this is not available easily streaming. It is, however, available for rent and purchase in all of your major digital movie platforms. It's on Amazon. It's I got it for iTunes. $2 on eBay. <laughs> uh, Miles found the Blu-ray for $2, which is, is pretty crazy. Uh, so we will we'll join you guys next time for our first second chances as we talk about this alongside the voices of Ming-Na Wen, Alec Baldwin, Donald Sutherland, and others as we get to the the, the heart of this nearly 20-year-old CG animated film. Oh, boy. Let's see what happens next. I, I'm excited. I have not seen this movie in 20 years. <laughs> in the meantime, if you would like to reach out to us, you can find us at themoreyounerd.com, facebook.com, slash themoreyounerd, Twitter, at themoreyounerd. Uh, Tyler, you and I have a, a little thing that we've been doing, speaking of Final Fantasy, where we've been going through a little game called Final Fantasy VII. What? What? Never heard of it. Yeah, we, ha- we have been. We have been. It's been fun. Yeah. Uh, typically on Thursday nights uh, at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, twitch.tv slash Cosmic Crit, which also happens to be the show that Tyler is also on with me and Miles, and also I'm everywhere. Our other friends, as we are in the middle of our season three of our Starfinder campaign, uh, Attack of the Swarm. 
Exclamation point. Exclamation point. Uh, so with that said, thank you guys for joining us. Let us know what you think about Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex and let us know what what you think you should give a second chance as as we're we're still in the middle of all of this. Uh, uh, let us know uh, as we end the show as we always do with a rousing nerd, nerd. Ow. Ow. Ow.